0: It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth, technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes, and I'll tell you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine. And with me today, Sarah Fensky Bahat, CEO of the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. I'm so excited to have you on. I think this is a really interesting topic to think about. Arts organizations, community organizations, nonprofits that have a powerful, uh, someone at the top who really understands the power of culture. So thanks for being here.
1: I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy to see you.
0: So tell me um, a little bit about when you, you have held a number of leadership positions uh, over your career. And I was wondering, I think one of the things that people, the, my audience likes to hear about is kind of that aha moment. When culture became evident to you um, about its power or influence, its, its, its uh, efficacy as a tool of, of a leader like you
1: uh, I'm, this is like, uh, one of my favorite career eras I'm about to describe. Um, so fairly soon after I finished graduate school, I moved to New York city. I took, um, I didn't know anybody in New York city. I knew a few kids I went to school with. I had like a aunt or uncle there that lived really far away. Um, but I took the first job I got, I quit that job. I took the next job I could find, in that job, I met somebody whose boyfriend was leaving their job in city government. And I thought to myself, I actually want his job. And so I found myself working for the city's economic development agency. um, And I started in the summer of 2000. Uh, My first week on the job, there was this like expense scandal, which was kind of amusing. And it really taught me in the first instance to like never fake your expenses or you'll get fired and like, you know, have a public corruption thing happen. Um, and kind of put me on like a very, I was pretty honest to begin with, but it definitely made helped me understand that I was a civil servant. Um, that job I describe as the best job I've ever had. And um, I was working there during 9-11, I worked there before 9-11. And I think it was this um, EDC, which is what it's called, is not a formal city agency. It's a contracted city agency. So we didn't have civil service. Um, And what that meant was that it was a place with a lot of young people who really cared about a city and um, were doing work that was like far above their pay grade for much less pay than they would get anywhere else to advance their experience. And we got to do all sorts of cool stuff. Like we climbed to the top of the Brooklyn Bridge. We went to power plants. Like we had this whole side hustle of getting to know the city type activities, which to me was kind of walking the walk of what we were doing there. Like we had a crappy office, it hadn't been renovated in decades, (laughs) but we had all these really cool experiences. Um, It was interesting for me to be there. I was presenting something to our board of directors the morning of 9-11. So there are really, and we were three blocks away from the World Trade Center. Wow um, this was a culture where like every Thursday we went out for drinks, you know, many of us met our spouses there, myself included. Um, you know, it was like, we lived and breathed the city in this job. And Mm -hmm. so, um, it was probably the best place I could be working during nine 11 in that we all had this experience, um, you know, very proximate to all the things that happened, but also we got to work on fixing it. And so for me, Um, To watch that in a front row way, especially the transition from the Giuliani administration to the Bloomberg administration culturally, Mm -hmm. um, really informed um, how I think about and how I respect actually leadership from the perspective of like, am I going to tell you what to do and expect you to do it? Or am I going to enlist your help and bring you along with me and sort of invite you to perform at your best as much as you can handle it? Um so I do, the second one is the Bloomberg way and I definitely found myself subscribed to that philosophy um for the remainder you know up until today as something that I prefer to do and be a part of um and I'm sure it was because it was a place filled with peers who cared deeply about what they do who mm-hmm. invested inside and outside of work in really knowing and mastering uh why that was important to us and then seeing this change in leadership Gave us like a deeper appreciation for the different ways that that could go.
0: Right. So, exposure to different kinds of um, cultures directed by or informed by a leader. And so, you absorb that for someone who is listening that doesn't have a leader who was really bought into this idea of culture or is. Unaware and leading in a, a way that doesn't align with who they are. Perhaps the what you the first description. I'm going to tell you what to do, and you're going to do it. Do you have any advice or counsel for for people that are um in I don't know a management role or a leadership role, and that that executive team or that CEO is just not the per, kind of s- subscribing to the kind creating the kind of culture that. You described what you would like one would like to see.
1: I mean, I think it's hard, right? Like there are so many different types of people and one size doesn't fit everybody. Um, I think of culture as like a million little things we can do, not necessarily like a capital C culture that we I don't believe in like the big prognostication about it. I'd rather be measured by what I do every day., um, And so for me, Um, that has showed up as what do I do with my small team? Like, do I try to go out to lunch with new people in my organization? Do I try to have coffee with people? Do I try to know them? How much do I think about um, the little interactions as opposed to the work that we're doing Mm. as a way of building a relationship Um, that has worked and not worked for me, (laughs) just to say (laughs) Um, there was a moment I worked at Citigroup at one point and I was really frustrated. My boss had retired and I didn't know what to do next. And so all the leaders of my group were sending me around to talk to people. Now I like going around to talk to people, to think about like what people are doing and who I might wanna work with. That wasn't the frustrating part. The frustrating part was that um, I didn't wanna do any of those things. And at some point in that exercise, which was months long, I um, was talking to a coach that they had recommended to me, and she's like, You don't want to work here. (laughs) And so I I also think there is a limitation to how much an individual can be expected to hold culture. Got it. And some growth around that sometimes, where it is totally conceivable to me that you can do all that you think you should, feel like you are up for, and still not be in the right place. Um, You know, currently, I am managing an organization that has a lot of younger people who have strong opinions. And even though I might sound to some people like I might sound old fashioned, or I might sound like I have an evolved opinion, I'm sure I sound like both to different people. Um, There are definitely those on my team who want me to be much more radical about um, the ways that we run this organization and have different ideas than I do about Um, What that means, Um, and again, like we're also a cultural institution, and so there's sort of it's almost like culture squared. Yeah, (laughs) right,
0: right, right, right. That can be a doubly, doubly difficult. Um, So at uh, the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, maybe you can um, quickly describe what it is that YBCA is and does, and then uh, share. A little bit about how your leadership style has informed um, what you've decided to do, how you've decided to move this forward, because it is a very different kind of thing to try to work within a cultural institution.
1: That it is. Um, Yeah, I I struggle, I think almost every day about the distinction between community institutions and cultural institutions. And I do think there's a thing to discuss there. Um, YBCA is a 140,000 square foot um, mixed medium art center in downtown San Francisco. And so mixed medium means that we have galleries for visual art, we have uh, multiple performing art spaces, we have a film program, we have an outdoors program, um, and we take a very um, vast interpretation of art. Right, Like we include community work as art, we include food as art, we include poetry as art. Um, Our sort of uh, mandate is to um, put up representative work of this community in a way that helps people who come through downtown SF understand it better, whether they Mm. be locals or tourists. and, and that has evolved over the years. Um, this the, the literal mandate of this institution is to program these buildings. And these buildings were built in an act of redevelopment. And so there is a demand from this community that we do that responsibly. And there has been sort of ebbs and flows of this organization and how we thought about that over the years. Um, and... You know, I came in at like the end of the pandemic. I've been in my job for about a year. I was on the board before that. And so what we're really doing here is taking a look at what an arts institution can do coming out of a very long closure to a very different downtown um, in a very different country, I think, um, than maybe we were in three or four years ago.
0: So talk about your then, then coming into this organization. You were on the board, so you were generally aware of what's happening coming in, you were hired, um, during the pandemic, what, like, how, how did you, how did your early learnings and your style enable you to think about what you wanted to, how you wanted to lead? And then what did you, what did you actually do? What did that end up looking like?
1: That's, I mean, it's such a good question. So I, I have thought a lot, um, and we are actively in the conversations about what it means to revitalize downtown, which is literally the same thing that we did post 9-11 in Lower Manhattan. I'm though doing it not through the lens of an urban sort of approach, I'm doing it through the lens of arts and culture. And what that means internally is that it's almost like, we've been very focused on arts and culture and we've almost missed our connection to the residents um, and visitors here to understand our why, our purpose. Like, it's one thing to put things up on the walls and think that it's great art. It's entirely another thing for somebody to come in here, have a reaction to that, like connected to um, an idea they have, a question they have, like a spark that they develop afterwards. And I think what is beneficial to me being like kind of a fringe culture person Um, But really, a community person is to remind this team why we do what we do, Mm. right? It's like, people need to see it. And like, why do people need to see it? What do we offer um, to people who see it? What does it mean to be in proximity to the things that we do here? Um, And so to me, like, there's both what that means for this team. And then there's what does it mean for the collective of institutions in downtown SF to do that together, What could it mean for this community, for the cultural Hmm. institutions to look up in that way um, beyond their individual practices and towards um, maybe what is possible or desired in this specific um, part of town?
0: That's so interesting. So the why in in my world, the way that I think about it at Great Mondays is purpose. And it is a challenge for every organization to remember that and to have a CEO who's constantly thinking about it and understanding the power of that is really, is really compelling. And then what you said about actually bringing in other institutions, because you sit right at the center across the street from MoMA, um, you know, right near a bunch of other cultural San Francisco landmarks and cultural institutions, that's an even larger... So you're taking your purpose... And actually expanding it outside of the, te- the the technical definition of your organization. That's a really interesting, is that something that, I mean, is that is that something that other organizations could do? Like if they're not a cultural institution to reach out, is that a possibility? I know I'm throwing you some tough questions here. but I
1: mean, so we did some interesting research and I'm going to tell you all the things that I'm not getting right too, because I don't want this to sound like everything is easy. It's not. Um, But we commissioned some work that looked at um, our little neighborhood and the institutions we looked at were us, SFMOMA, which you mentioned, the Contemporary Jewish Museum, which is across the street, um, the Museum of the African Diaspora, which is across the street another way, and the Children's Creativity Museum. We are all like a block away from each other, if you will. Um, And we are at the center. For those of you who don't know San Francisco, you know, we're situated with a big public park in front of us which is why we're in the center, right? We sit on a corner, there's a couple of things across the street and there's one thing across the park, maybe two um, depending on how you count. Um, so we looked at the footprint of our institutions in that park. And we looked for other cities in which there were cultural sort of um, masses, I don't know, something like yeah. that, like blocks yeah, that, makes sense. that felt they were um, similar. And so the similar blocks are Lincoln Center, Right. Which is also different institutions, but around New
0: York City, Lincoln Center, New York City. Um,
1: There's a Dallas Cultural Center, which I actually can't speak to quite as well as I can New York. Um, And there are a couple of others. Um, And then what we started to look at was what types of things do they do together and what do they do on their own? Um, And we've just started to have a conversation about dumb things, like dumb important things, signage. How do we direct one another to one another's activities? How do Uh. we... Um, if we're closed one day, how do we send somebody to a neighbor? And in my opinion, like I come at this from a community perspective very much. And as you and I know one another from a design perspective. Um, and so for me, we are always better if we are shoulder to shoulder with others and we're not necessarily competitive, but rather complementary. Um, we all have very different mandates organizationally, and I would hope there's something, um, in one of our institutions or multiple that everyone could find themselves in.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: the question is maybe what what feels more comfortable or more closely affiliated to one individual or another.
0: That's so interesting. So here you are, you've got some strong, evident commonalities. So we've got location and, and let's call it medium or subject matter, yeah. the arts. And so there's something that benefits if we can kind of strengthen us together. And I just think about, and this isn't a question to answer, but just to ask, which is how might other organizations think about the some, some peer organizations, companies that have similar um, sim- commonalities and reach out to strengthen? Because I feel like i know that the the common me- mentality is com- competition not cooperation and here you have a purpose that's larger than and so i just think there's something very compelling about that i don't know maybe to 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 think about or write about in the, in the future so as you said there's been uh, it's not been all um puppies and and butterflies and roses
1: sadly no
0: um sadly no um can you share with us maybe one story about um, when you either were present for or in in, you know, part of or doing something um, as a leader in the culture sp- culture space, not cultural, that didn't work.
1: I mean, I'm probably many things. Um, I I would just offer right now feels hard. Um, I inherited an organization that um, had drifted off mission and the board and the team were not on the same page. So I have um, a real effort on my hands to harmonize like um, the, the mm. governance apparatus with the staff apparatus. Okay. And, you know, we're in an exercise now revising our mission, vision values. And what's become clear is, and really trying to pull them into a place where they don't have to continue to be revised. <laughs> um but what's challenging about that is that the staff and the board have different ideas of what this organization should be and do and it's my job to try to pull people to a place of common purpose um i don't think i've ever had a situation quite this um i don't know just like challenging because nobody's wrong um there are many great things that this organization does Um, We don't have to do all of them. Right. And I don't know that they're all making the highest and best use of our positioning, just to say like physical, mental, um, cultural.
0: Not only you don't have to, you can't.
1: Right. We, and like cultural institutions also can't afford to. Right. And so
0: um,
1: how do we think about that? How do we reconcile that? And, you know, I, I have a hard time, um, you know, I'm a white woman leader who followed a white woman leader with a majority BIPOC board and team and developing trust after, um, you know, there's a perception that things got off kilter is hard. Um, and it's hard to do so in a collaborative way where you invite everybody in. Um, and so I'm just taking the approach that I'm a collaborator. I like to co-create with people. I'm trying to set the um opportunity spaces in a way where everyone can participate. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a all staff work week in January for a full week, just to try to level set everybody's understanding of the organization. Um, And a lot of hard things came out. Um, Like there are definitely people on my team who wish I was somebody else and that I look different. And I've never quite had to experience that in the way that I do here which isn't like a rant rare. everybody should feel bad, but um, it's interesting. Um, and there's also a generational thing happening. Our leadership team now is a full decade younger than the leadership team that came before us. Mm. And you know, we're talking a lot about what are the systems that we can put into place to allow this place to thrive in a deeper way and to remain on course and to yeah. make great decisions while still presenting representative work. Um, one of the big reasons that the board invited me to stay was to um, kind of finish the job, if you will, as a transitional CEO so that we can ultimately hire um, the person that people want um, and really do so having put this organization in a place of strength. And so, you know, one of my big questions is um, at every board meeting, I ask if we're ready to search for somebody else um, which is going to take a while, but I like being in the practice and I like being able to tell the team that we're in the practice. And also to manage this period where there's externally not a lot of ambiguity, but internally there's a lot of ambiguity with grace and patience and ambition. Hmm. And that swirl is hard um, all at once.
0: Yeah. It sounds um, like it sounds it sounds to me like you're you're you are the the, the, you are the, the appropriate hire for a tra- as a transitional CEO, because you can sustain the unknown and you're navigating that even though you're getting buffeted, right. By all these waves and different forces, you're able to go, okay, I can, we can, okay, we can do that. To, we can, you know, move it forward.
1: Honestly, it helps to be a parent. It, it's, um, I think that parenting created a level of patience I didn't have before (laughs) I became one. Um, Another like what I think one of the stories I tell um, a lot about something that like I was very proud of, but was very disruptive culturally. Mm. Um, Many, many moons ago, and this is timely because of SVB. I was a bank regulator. Right. And that was an unlikely choice. Um, I had met my husband, as I mentioned, in city government, and we decided we needed different jobs from each other. So. I took a job uh, working for this woman who had just become New York State's bank regulator. And um, after a couple of years there, I became um, like much more skilled at understanding what civil service meant and how it worked. And in their regime, bank examiners, the people who go to regulate financial institutions, were promoted based on their performance on a multiple choice test. That a panel of bank examiners wrote. And there was a moment where the professional employees union, I think something, um, they wanted me to promote people who had only scored like a 55 on a test. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. Not really sure that's a good idea. And they're like, well, you have to. And I'm like, oh, my God, these are fighting words. Please never tell me that. And I'm like, send me the test. I'll let you know if I think that's a good idea because they had graded on a curve or something. And I'm like, Okay, just send it to me. I had never actually examined a bank. I was a chief of staff. So I take this test and I get a 95%. And I'm like, absolutely not. We are not promoting people who can't get 55 and who do this every day when I've gotten a 95 on this test. Um, And so that was an important reset moment where like the norms of the organization, like the permanent staff that they had it all figured out and had made all their arrangements. And this one like annoying conversation just shifted the whole thing. Um, which I like still and very proud of. Um it's my one like union story that I busted up a little bit.
0: Right, right, right. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, um, we're at the end of the episode, and I really appreciate your time and energy sharing some of your wisdom and experience. Um, Sarah Fensky Bahat, the CEO of the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts in San Francisco, definitely head over to ybca.org org to learn more about this incredible cultural institution and watch what's happening on the culture side as well. We are going to um see where you succeed and you know what the work that still needs to be done. And um we, you know, it's it's it is a uh lifelong journey. It's never easy. But once you get it, like you said, once you get it on the right path, you kind of get that momentum and that inertia. So um, thank you so much. I really appreciate your, your time and energy today. It's great to see you. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today please rate and review great mondays radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed it really helps us reach more people if you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders subscribe to great mondays radio and i'd love to connect with you find me on linkedin at aka josh levine on youtube at great mondays And you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great
1: Mondays Radio.